got the medicine. This is your boy Debunk. It's your boy Reese. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Medicine Remix. On no other place but here on Anchor. Yo, what up, Anchor? You're listening to Medicine Remix. This is your boy Debunked, the second half of Injury Duty. Thanks once again for listening. And I want to jump right in, set sail, drop Anchor, and make some waves. If you saw what I did there, you know, sail, drop an Anchor, you're on Anchor, call these things waves. I know, it's a pretty, pretty dad joke of me. But anyway... I wanted to welcome you guys into uh, some internal dialogue that I've been having with myself um, as I stumbled across this pretty interesting article a couple days ago. Um, anyway, while I was in clinic, some, some of you may or may not know I'm a physician and, uh, you know, my bread and butter is, is mental illness. And, you know, it, it, it's always interesting to me how folks respond to receiving a diagnosis for something that they consider, you know, one thing being their physical health and the other thing being their mental health you know for example if i tell somebody you know that they have high cholesterol i've never gotten the response of oh no you know my heart is full of cholesterol and i'll never be able to love again you know most people don't link those physical things with those mental health things um but if you make the suggestion, you imply, you, you somehow deliver the news that you think somebody might go through a bout of depression, that tends to evoke a much different visceral response. And most times, folks are, you know, for lack of a better word, they're offended. It's, it's, it's a very personal thing, you know, when you suggest that something might be going on up there. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm making air quotes up there in their mind, in your head, if you will. Because with things like high cholesterol, like I was talking about earlier, you can show them the test, right? People want to say, well, show me the test, show me the scan. But when you're talking about something like depression, as of now, we don't have a blood test. We don't have a brain scan. Maybe we will someday, but as of now, we don't. So what you're left with is you show somebody, well, you, you meet five of these nine criterion. I checked these boxes and uh, that means you're depressed. Most people would like to think of themselves as a much more complex organism than your little checklist. And how dare you suggest that something is wrong up there. And the interesting thing about that to me is that, you know, again, with the example of the cholesterol, nobody thinks less of themselves, right? Nobody has a, a stigma attached to that. And I think there's all sorts of different reasons why stigma is attached to anything related to, to mental health. But they sort of disconnect themselves and it's them. And then there's, oh, I have high cholesterol. But depression, that's something that's much more personal. And what I try to help people understand is that we are not unique. When I say that, I include myself. I don't think people understand this and they don't like it. I think we like to believe we're unique. And I tell people all the time, you're not unique. You might be awesome, but unique, you almost don't want to be unique. Because if physiologically you were unique, and let's say you needed a kidney, well, you're so unique that the chances of us finding a kidney for you wouldn't be good. And if you needed something like that, and you couldn't get it because you were so unique, it'd probably be the end of you. So it's almost nice to fit a pattern, fit a mold and have all these commonalities with all these other organisms being people. Um, and you kind of fit in and you have your place. 
But I think when you start talking about sort of thought patterns, right? Because the only thing that if you were going to make an argument that we were unique, it might be our thoughts, right? So the second you start suggesting that something is wrong with the very engine that produces what it might be the only unique thing about me, my thoughts, you say that that well's poisoned. Well, what the fuck does that say about me? My well's poisoned. Everything up there is rancid, bad, not good, dented, tainted. You get the picture. And I get that. I understand why that would be a bit alarming, a bit... That could be a scary thought to have. So once people sort of make peace with it, right, sometimes it happens in the office, sometimes they need some time, you know, the question inevitably is, okay, so what are we going to do about this? There's a lot of research that has shown that psychotherapy, talk therapy, uh, has been shown to change the same neurotransmitters in the brain as these medications. That's pretty fascinating, right? At least I think so. So when I tried to sell that part, right, the, the part of, hey, maybe you should do some psychotherapy, and I get it, just the name, we need to change that shit. Psychotherapy, that's so loaded, the psycho part, that's a talk for another time. But when I try to sell that over medication and try to get people to understand, it's just not as sexy. The idea of, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking a pill, having all my problems go away, feeling like I'm flying around on unicorns and bubblegums growing from trees, it sounds awesome. The problem is there are some substances that may or may not be able to make you feel that way, but that's not a sustainable model, right? And, you know, so you, you make the suggestion, medication or therapy, most people pick one or the other. And I try to get folks to understand that, you know, I'm a pill guy when I need to be a pill guy. I think medication does have its place and it does help people, but I'm also a skill guy. And I think developing those skills is ultra important. But what people I don't think have a good understanding of is that there's patterns, there's thought patterns, there's ways of thinking that are universal, regardless of where you're from. And folks spend a lot of time studying these things and understanding how to break these cycles, how to come out of this negative thought pattern, how to reframe things, how to restructure things in your mind and really start to change the way your brain is firing based on what you want. And the reason I find that so interesting is because I just, again, people like to think that they're more complex than an algorithm. And, you know, short of telling people, hey, well, this is all an algorithm, um, I try to get them to understand that, you know, again, yeah, if you are unique, you might have some unique thoughts, but there are ways still, even with your intermittently unique mind, that there are ways to go about talking to somebody, having them analyze what you're saying, feed it back to you, right? Maybe say it in a different way to help you process that. And people can do that. And some people are extremely awesome. I aspire to be one of those. Maybe one day I'll be able to uh, have those sorts of skills. I don't think I'm bad now, but I hope to get better because I know folks who are, are uh, pretty awesome at, you know, the, their psychoanalytic skills. And, and it's, it's so fun to watch when you're trying to hone those skills because I think a lot of times we do do these things but we just don't know what they're called 
and somebody who knows what they're doing will listen to you and watch you interact with the patient and they'll say oh yeah you know it's really nice the way you applied this technique and you're like fucking on what are you talking about and they tell you oh yeah that was you know so and so uh, a psychologist in 1950 whatever he developed this way of you know la 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 and you're like oh man yeah no I just did that because it felt right so again that just feeds the idea that there are these patterns and there are these parallel thinking uh, sort of uh, roads that we get on and helping somebody understand that I think is fun and I do my best to get people onto that train where they'll subscribe to this idea and they'll take up psychotherapy because you know again I'm a, I'm a percentage and odds guy if I can stack the odds in my favor at all I'll generally go that route and if I know that psychotherapy can help me and get me where I want to be emotionally then I'm gonna do that and for folks who've already done it and gone through it, it's a no-brainer. For people who haven't done it and it's their first experience with, you know, interaction with psychiatry or, or, or a psychologist, um, that they may be apprehensive about it. This is a really roundabout way to tell you about an article uh, that I read that I wanted to run by you guys. The article, uh, and you can find it online, it's called The Data That Turned the World Upside Down. I'll try to hit the high points. Anyway, what the article talks about is big data. And big data is the idea that, um, you know, everything you do online, on your phone, anything that, you know, can uh, be compiled and, and quantified, I guess, as data um, is part of this idea of big data. So, again, your phone, every phone call you make, everything you do online, everything you buy, everything you search for, um, big data has become all the rage, right? Because... Information, again, is power. You hear that and it's kind of thrown around uh, uh, pretty universally and, and, and depending on what people are talking about, it means different things at different times. But anyway, uh, this article, uh, a, a PhD psychologist, uh, Dr. Kaczynski, I believe is his last name, Kaczynski, um, it goes into this whole story about how uh, this guy was interested in what's known as psychometrics or psychographics, and it's the idea of, uh, it's, it's a data-driven sub-branch of psychology. And, you know, there's there's been things like this for a while. Um, there are, for example, different personality tests. Uh, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory is the first one that comes to mind for me. Um, and this thing, you know, was a, a sort of a big questionnaire uh, that was developed, I believe, in uh, like 1940. Um, and it had a bunch of questions, um, all true or false questions that all seemed pretty basic. You know, it was like, uh, I like mechanic magazines. Uh, I have a good appetite. I wake up fresh and rested most mornings. Uh, my father was a good man, that sort of stuff. They all seemed sort of benign when looked at alone, but originally there were something like 600 questions. I think there's a shorter version version now, excuse me. Um, of about 400 questions. The thing can take anywhere from, you know, an hour to two hours to complete, and then it has to be analyzed, and there's a bunch of different sort of strata that it has to run through before they can come to any conclusions. And the idea is that it helps tease out all sorts of different, you know, personality traits. Um, it can help understand whether people have an aversion to doctors and they don't like to comply or if they're malingering, if they're, you know, basically lying to try to get some sort of secondary gain, all sorts of really cool data. And it's been around for a while. It's, it's, it, uh, you know, like most things you would imagine, it comes under fire a lot in terms of biases based on race and things like that. But for the most part, pretty useful information. Now, the test has been 
revised a bunch of times and gone through a bunch of different versions. And then in 1980, there was two uh, psychologists that developed something called the Big Five model. And the Big Five model, uh, the acronym is, is OCEANS. And each one of those letters stands for something. And the O in OCEANS is for openness. And that stands for, you know, whether or not somebody is, quote unquote, open to experiences. Um, the next one is C for conscientiousness. And that's really, you know, how much of a perfectionist are you? The next one was extroversion. You know, how social are you? Um, the A was for agreeableness. You know, how considerate and cooperative you are. And uh, I believe the N was for... Uh, neuroticism or neuroses and uh, it's uh, are you easily upset anyway so with those parameters with those big five um, they were able to get a relatively accurate assessment of, of somebody and that sort of model it, it's been around for a while and a lot of surveys are, are based off of that you know again the big five so anyway back to this Kaczynski guy um, Kaczynski ends up getting to, uh, into a PhD program where he's working with a gentleman who had already started a, an app. And this was in the early days of Facebook. And it was, and I'm sure people remember this. It was those apps where people would take personality tests. Do you guys remember that? Um, and you do it online and you'd answer some questions and then, uh, you'd want to post it, right? So people could say, you know, if, if you liked what you got, right? Oh, I'm a, you know, whatever type of person or I, my personality most resembles, you know, this character from this movie and people would post that stuff all the time. But if you remember before you would actually post it, it would say like, um, this app wants to have access to your contacts and it wants to share data, blah, blah, blah. And most people would just say yes to that. And this was very early on in, uh, in, in the early Facebook days. Well, get a load of this. This, this gentleman, Kaczynski, and another guy, um, I believe um, David Stilwell, I believe, um, had an app that would work through Facebook like this. And it was one of those, you know, personality questionnaires. And after it would give you a personality profile. Well, once you did that, you would opt in for that research to be shared with or with that data to be shared with researchers. And from there, they could all see what it is you were doing online in terms of likes. So anything you liked, anything you posted, you know, words like, you know, keywords and all those sorts of things. So before long, these two guys thought, well, maybe we'll get a couple people to do this silly personality survey. Uh, after too long, they had the largest data set combining the psychometric scores with Facebook profiles ever collected. Think about that. Shortly after they compiled all that information, apparently Facebook got a hold of them and one offered the guy a job and two slapped them with a lawsuit, basically saying that, uh, you are inappropriately using information um, from our website. And at that time, all likes were public. And shortly after that, according to the article, um, all likes were made private and some of the security uh, settings changed. But I wanted to share this with you. According to the article, the approach that Kaczynski and his buddy took uh, and developed over the next few years was pretty simple. First, they provided the test, which was the questionnaire, in form of the online quiz. From the responses, these two guys were able to calculate the personal big five values that we talked about. From there, the team then took all those results 
with all sorts of other online data from the same people who took these surveys. Again, you know, what they liked, shared, posted on Facebook, uh, what their gender was, their age, their place of residency, all that other jazz. And this enabled the researchers to connect dots in ways that they'd never thought possible. And the interesting part is they say, remarkably reliable deductions could be drawn from simple online actions. For example, men who quote-unquote liked the cosmetic brand MAC were slightly more likely to be gay. And get this, one of the best indicators for heterosexuality was liking the Wu-Tang Clan. Holla! So, and it goes on to say that followers of Lady Gaga were most probably extroverts, while those who liked philosophy tended to be introverts. Now, obviously, each one of these things looked at in isolation is way too weak of any sort of uh, product to reliably predict anything, really. But when there are thousands of individual data points collected, the results became really, really accurate. And get this, according to the article, Kaczynski and his team tirelessly refined their models, and in 2012, were able to prove on the basis on average of 68 Facebook quote-unquote likes by a user, it was able to predict their skin color with 95% accuracy, their sexual orientation with 88% accuracy, and their affiliation to the Democratic or Republican Party with an 85% accuracy. And it didn't stop there. Things like intelligence, religious affiliation, uh, as well as alcohol, cigarette, and drug use could all be determined. From this data, it was even possible to deduce whether someone's parents were divorced. What the fuck is going on here? Later in the article, they say the strength of the modeling continued to get better. And before they knew it, the team was able to evaluate a person, quote, better than the average work colleague, merely on the basis of 10 Facebook likes. With 70 likes, that was enough to outdo what a person's friends knew. With 150 likes, it was able to do better than what the person's parents knew about them. And with a total of 300 likes, what their partner knew about them. Wrap your head around that shit. Now, the article goes on to talk about how one of the members of the research team ends up going rogue and starts a political advising company using big data. And the article basically says that the guy who originally came up with these concepts, Kaczynski being one of them, um, started to get really scared and said, what the fuck did we do here? This isn't good because not only can we predict people's habits, but the data starting to show us that if we interpret this correctly, that we can actually influence their next choice. And he felt that that was a dangerous thing because with the right political advertising, with the right sort of pop-ups on your screen, with the right sort of articles being fed to you, that almost subconsciously, but based on your own willingness to give that information, that they could sway how people voted and could affect political elections. Lo and behold, this guy was hired by the Trump committee uh, for Donald Trump's campaign and suggests that maybe they had something to do with it. So fascinating article. 
to bring it all the way back around the idea that understanding human behavior and how that can affect us adversely and show up with things like anxiety and depression, but understanding that there's patterns there and talking with somebody one-on-one can help you tease those things apart. And whether we know it or not, everything we're doing online may in fact be playing a role in how we feel and what we think, literally what we think. And the interesting part, to me anyway, was that by knowing that, it was almost empowering. One, to know that everything you do online, it seems like Facebook's free, right? You get on it, you don't pay anything. You're paying with your attention and you're actually paying with your data, what they know about you. All that information being compiled is then being sold to companies like this, these big research companies who then mine all that data and we kind of sign away the rights to that stuff the second you sign up. So this isn't to freak anybody out, but it's something to think about, right? Because I think more importantly, what we're doing online may actually be affecting how we're living our real lives more than we actually thought. And to piggyback off of that, the fact that there are some patterns in human behavior that can be changed and that can be rewired. And I think if we take advantage of that with things like psychotherapy, with the talk therapy, that we can really harness the power uh, within ourselves to change what we want to change. God, that feels like a fucking wild ride. I hope I didn't lose you. I hope you found it interesting. Thanks for sticking with me through this entire rant. I will probably never do anything this long again if this thing ever sees the light of day. If you liked it, let us know. If you hated it, fuck, let us know because this took forever for me too. Anyway, love you guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks for tuning into Anchor, the only place you're going to get medicine remixed. Peace.